because 66% of emails opened on mobile devices now. And in Europe and America, 62% of people will close and delete an email that's not formatted for mobile. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain What are the best traffic sources for an e-commerce business? What is the quickest way to double sales in e-commerce? And what are the three elements that every e-commerce site should have? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask our special guest today, Joe House. Joe, welcome to DMR. Thanks for having us, David. Well, welcome. Well, Joe um, is one of Australia's leading e-commerce marketers, helping dozens of businesses grow their traffic and sales month after month. You can find them over at onlinevisions.com.au. So, Joe, what are the main ways that e-commerce has changed over the last couple of years? Well, David, e-commerce is a, compl- is a very rapidly changing business. And over the last few years, we've seen some huge shifts in buyer behavior and also in the way that they get trust and authority in businesses. Uh, traditionally, if you go back, say, five years ago, people were very skeptical with buying online. But at the same time, they were easier to convince in the sense that you could put up some really good sales copies, some good photos, and people would convert through to sales. But what we're finding in today's environment is people need more than that. They need large amounts of social proof through social networks like Facebook and Twitter. They read a lot of reviews in the sense of 70% upwards of people actually review and read reviews of products before purchasing. So they need that sort of things as well. And lastly, they need the confidence that your website is better and cheaper than other alternatives out there. Right. Okay, so reading reviews and um, comparing and contrasting against um, other providers of um, similar kind of products and services. Um, so that means that obviously content's important in your website and also I presume um, social interaction and, and, and um, social um, networks. So um, does that mean Facebook and Twitter really impacts e-commerce success as well? They have a really strong indirect impact in the sense that to judge an ROI from a Facebook page is very difficult. But what we've found is that in conjunction with a solid and well-rounded marketing strategy for an e-commerce business, Facebook likes, reviews on Facebook pages, as well as even Google Plus reviews are really putting a strong impact and increasing conversion rates throughout the industry. Ah, right. Okay. So someone probably is aware of the brand already, um, but then they'll do research and then that's where social can probably have the biggest impact. So would you say that's correct, that that social um, is, is, is not necessarily a good source of new traffic, but it can influence existing traffic? That's exactly right, David. Right, okay. And um, so what about new traffic then? What, what are the best sources of new traffic for an e-commerce business? What we've found is that the search engines still provide the best targeted traffic for new business. Um, the reason why we say this is because when someone's in a buying mindset, they either A, go to eBay, or B, go to the search engines to find what they're after. And quite often people will search in both areas to find the best deal as well as the best quality product. The issue people are having with eBay these days is they're finding that the quality of products are rapidly dropping because of the price competitiveness. So people are slowly starting to shift back onto traditional sites to find the best quality products. So a really well-structured SEO campaign, as well as Google AdWords specifically targeting your niche, have actually been performing really, really well 
across the board in the recent months and years. Okay, and and so what's your opinion in terms of um, search marketing? Because um, um, you mentioned both paid and SEO there. Um, do you think that um, a business probably needs to focus on paid to begin with, with a view to building up the traffic in SEO and then potentially ramping down their spend uh, with paid search after that? You're spot on, David. Um, we refer to it as a two-speed approach when you're starting a business, or especially an e-commerce business, in that you do you really pump your AdWords as your very first point of call. It gives you two things. One, it gives you instant traffic, and two, it allows you to test the conversions on the site with traffic you know is very targeted. Now, once that's set up, you build out your, econ- your SEO um, base so that this traffic slowly starts to shift away from the paid into the SEO, and that's where after six or 12 months, you really see the profits start to rise through the business. All right. Okay. Um, so, um, if you've got um, a business that's up and running already, that's profitable, doing reasonably well, um, do you think um, the initial focus in terms of increasing the uh, quantity of sales coming through is paid search? Is that the first place to look? For, for immediate, as in this week, definitely. Yeah. Um, but quite often, it's also worth having a look at how the site SEO is set up, in the sense that we've looked at client sites and they've had. 10, 15,000 hits a month, but they've been missing very key elements such as H1 tags and properly structured titles on their pages. Now, for anyone who's run a business or a website before, these are very basic, simple things, but by adding them, they jump three or four spots and put them in the top three, which sent the traffic off, off the Richter scale. Mm. Yeah, it's incredible um, how much impact good SEO can have on a site. You know, I've certainly worked with clients myself that um, have been massive international businesses, but the on-site SEO has been terrible. But of course, the great thing about working for a client like that that um, isn't doing that well in terms of SEO is generally the domain is quite authoritative. So when you make those tweaks, that can have the sudden significant impact in terms of ranking. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, that, that, that's some, some great sources of traffic there. But you, you, you touched on SEO a little bit there. Um, what do you think are the biggest um, issues that um, e-commerce sites um, have in terms of um, not designing their sites um, nicely for organic search? Look, the biggest thing that we're finding across the industry is that people are eliminating text from all their pages. And quite often they're not putting any space for Google to actually read the page. So whether that is internal linking, a lot of sites are completely ignoring now. Um, like I was mentioning before, the, hate, the headers and the H1s. Um, these are all elements that people are leaving off the sites in the aim to get quote-unquote clean design. But, and it's, a lot of it is coming through from the responsive design side of things. However, when you're designing a site, you can put all those elements on your main desktop page and just hide the text from the mobile to make it more user-friendly. And by doing this, the sites will rank a lot better and you will get a lot more organic traffic, which for an e-commerce business, we're finding is a really solid base to set up for long-term success. Okay, you talk about long-term success there. So um, what's the best way to set up a new website for long-term success? If um, you want to start selling multiple categories of products, do you think it's um, better to build one brand and try and build that single brand into as an authoritative authoritative source as possible, so just have a single domain, a single website, or would you split those categories into different websites and attempt to actually segment the business a little bit? It honestly depends on how linked the categories are, in the sense that if you're selling kitchenware and, let's say, gardening equipment, because it also falls under the home category, 
that would be completely fine to run in the one business. But if you're selling, for example, workout equipment and hunting equipment, they don't really gel so well. So I'd suggest splitting completely different niches like that. Because if when you start becoming too big in the sense that you're covering too many niches, you start going up against the likes of Walmart and Amazon. And to compete against those guys, you'd need basically the budget of those huge companies to do so. Mm. So you can scale your niche out slightly to home or to leisure or to sport, but you can't really go out to a generic department store. Okay, now one of the um, things that you mentioned um, um, before uh, we started recording was that um, you advise businesses generally that there were three core elements that every e-commerce site should have. Do you, do you want to share that with the, the listeners? Definitely. These elements are elements that we find a lot of businesses miss out on and they, they can really make a big difference to every e-commerce site. So element number one is traffic, as we've discussed before with things like AdWords, and SEO. The second is optimizing on-site. Now, a lot of people leave a lot of money on the table in the sense they don't monitor uh, user behavior beyond analytics. They don't use things like heat maps or mouse flow technology and some of these more advanced tracking tools to really find out what the consumers are after. And the third element is a back end. A lot of businesses also leave it. Once a transaction is done, that's all they hear from it. They don't dig in deep and pull the digital marketing side of things across to the e-commerce with email marketing, with retargeting, and those sort of technologies to really increase the customer value long term. So they're the three elements that I'd strongly suggest every e-commerce business has. Traffic, optimization on page, and then the back end. Okay, so the back end. So is that generally integrated into a decent e-commerce software package or do you recommend pulling together different types of software to create um, an ideal um, back end if you want to support your business? Look, most e-commerce software doesn't include a strong enough back end. So that's why we utilize and suggest that people split it off. So a good email service provider um, depending on the size of the business, things like Infusionsoft work fantastically well for the segmentation. Otherwise, if you're just starting out, services like MailChimp are fantastic as well. Um, for the retargeting side of things, we, we deal directly with Google and Facebook retargeting because it enables you to have a large spectrum and a cross-channel approach. However, to keep things simple, there's also great services out there such as AdRoll, which enable people to put up the retargeting and follow people around and get that back-end sale without too much technical know-how. And um, in terms of retargeting, because I mean, that, that's an interesting, um, fairly recent de- development in terms of um, paid search. Um, what do you think are a couple of the, the good things that businesses should do in terms of retargeting? And what are a couple of um, things that um, are mistakes that you see out there? The biggest mistakes that I see people make with retargeting is they treat every visitor the same and they fail to test. Just like any good sales letter in digital marketing, or good email headline, you test, test, and test to make it the best you can. And it's the same with retargeting. You need to test your banners. You need to test image banners versus text ads. And even through to YouTube um, ads as well, you need to test across the board to find out which ones are going to get the best conversions and the best click-through rates. Right. Okay. And what about um, uh, the actual um, keyword phrases that you should be um, 
aiming to actually um, target? Um, are, are there keyword phrases that you should focus on in terms of a retargeting campaign? Or is it simply down to the, the, the individual visitor? We generally structure it down to the individual visitor rather than actually as keyword phrases. And we set up individual lists. So, for example, clients that hit your homepage, they're somewhat interested in your business and they've seen your brand. So for those clients, we'll put up a branding campaign where they'll see your brand around the internet, they'll see a ten, perhaps a 10% off voucher to come back and check you out a little bit more. Whereas for clients to go through right through the product page, they're obviously very interested in what you've got to sell. They're very targeted. So for those sort of clients, we suggest using dynamic ads, installing a Google shopping feed, and then having that exact product retarget from around the internet. And for clients to hit all the way through to the checkout page, an abandoned cart campaign. Okay, so that's, that's some great tips there. Um, and what about length of retargeting campaign? How long is it appropriate to hover along, uh, uh, hover around a user ho hoping that they're going to come back to your site and buy? <laughs> great question, David. Um, it's, it's really a line of being professional and crossing the line into a little bit disturbing. <laughs> what, what we've found work the best is by scaling it down over time. So for the first week, the ads will follow quite aggressively. And then the second week, they fall off by about 50%. The third week, they fall off again. And then the final month, they might see an ad every two days just to stay in the front of mind, but not really be aggressive and they won't get disturbed by it. Okay. And uh, is there any need to actually change the ad copy um, as you go through that um, period of time? There definitely is. Um, in, in the first week, like we were speaking about, that's where you want to be very aggressive with things like pushing free shipping offers, with pushing discount offers, with retargeting them with the exact product that they were looking at. Whereas when you scale back to weeks three and four, you want to be coming up with either a generic branding so they can see your website, perhaps a product showcase style banner where they see all the products you offer, or even just scaling back to the sense of a seasonal sale. So we set all our lists up as 90-day lists, which enables us to, this time of year, for example, roll out Christmas banners. So everyone who's been on the site in the last three months will be seeing a Christmas promotion right about now. It just enables you to cash in a little bit more and allows you to be a bit more creative with your overall marketing strategies. Okay, so retargeting is certainly something to think about. Now, what about software? I mean, we touched on software in relation to email marketing, but the actual software that you use to run your e-commerce site, um, there are probably a couple of main options. Um, you know, first of all, you could either go for your Shopify or your big commerce, so specialist software packages um, for setting up e-commerce stores. Or, of course, there's something like WooCommerce, which is a WordPress theme now. Um, would you go for one of them or would you go for something else? It depends on the size that the business wants to achieve. If they're just going to sell, let's say, a dozen or two dozen products, then a service like WooCommerce is fantastic. The reason why I suggest staying with a hosted solution rather than, so with, with a self-hosted solution rather than a hosted solution, is it gives you the flexibility to change, to have your developers get in and personalize things a little bit more. Um, but in the sense for a business that wants to expand and go to several hundred, several thousand, even tens of thousands of products, personally, I suggest using a product like Magento. Right. Because it gives you the power to scale. But moving to that level does become a little bit more expensive. Um, so you just got to make sure you've worked your way up to that stage in business. 
Okay, well, that's some great um, e-commerce tips there, but um, let's segue into the second section of our discussions. That focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So, starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Look, I can't narrow it down to one, David, so I've got to go with three. Okay. Number one is Infusionsoft, um, email marketing, CRM, segmentation. There's a huge amount of money in the back end with that. The second is a service called Ahrefs. Now, this is a backlink service that really helps with SEO. And for anyone who's looking at doing their own SEO, it's a great way to monitor what's happening with your site and also what's happening with competitors' sites. Lastly, Visual Web Optimizer, or VWO these days. Great heat maps, fantastic split testing, and it really makes optimizing your site a breeze. Excellent. Some great tips there. And a slightly more challenging question. What software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you've meant to try at some point in the near future? I guess for for this one, it's more software, not so much online, but building on the back end. And that's some video editing software. Um, I can't say a product specifically, but I've heard some very good introduction sales letters videos by makers on the market recently. And I've heard some fantastic reviews about them. And these are sort of things that for e-commerce businesses really help introduce your site or the products that you sell in a very easy, user-friendly way. So that's probably the direction I'd go for that, David. Okay, no, that's that's really interesting because um, video is obviously becoming uh, an important part to integrate as part of your your pages. So um, just moving back slightly to e-commerce, actually, um, ideally... um, on each product page, do you actually recommend your clients to have videos on there as well? We strongly do. Um, you can either do something simple like put your photos into a video. That's somewhat effective, but if you can actually do a 360 video, zoom in, or even a showcase video where you're talking about the features, benefits, and the reasons why they should buy, almost crossing into the sales video side of things, it really boosts response. Okay, great. Well, in terms of the three software recommendations that you did make, um, I will include the links to that in the show show notes um, underneath uh, this discussion. And um, if the listener is not listening to this um, discussion on uh, digitalmarketingradio.com, then that's the place to go. Search for Joe House in the search bar and you can find uh, the links in the show notes there. But let's move on to... I wish I would have... I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? The very first time I marketed anything online was actually with an affiliate promotion going back about eight years now. Um, I sent it out to everyone on my email list at that time, so it was all private email contacts. And I wish I'd honestly stayed below the radar a little bit, (laughs) kept kept chugging away and just kept being persistent. Because um, really in digital marketing with digital radio, digital marketing, sorry, as I'm sure you'll agree, David, <laughs> it's, it's, it's persistence. It's just chipping away at it every day, every week, and over a few years, you'll get some success. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's, it's all about, um, certainly in relation to um, SEO, which I tend to focus on probably um, a lot of the time, um, you can't expect to gain rankings overnight. Um, you've got to have consistent content production and focus on keywords um, and just offering value and just sooner um, or if not later, um, 
ranking improvements will happen. Google will start to trust your site. And um, the same happens with, with any form of digital marketing, really. Um, you can push it to begin with. You can drive a lot of traffic at your site to begin with from different paid activities. Um, but really what is going to keep it there is if you have a great product and service and people start talking about it and um, sharing what you do online with, with their friends as well. Yep, I agree 100%. <laughs> but let's move on to... The This or That Round. Now, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go here? Yep, let's go. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one. -on -one. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local. I'm impressed you didn't struggle with any of them at all. You, 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 you weren't going over that and any answer in your head, just not sure what to uh, to say at all. Look, it was honestly the local versus global, and it was just the definition of local. Um, I made my call based on nationwide being classed as local because at the end of the day, the world is almost one community now, so countries are almost local. Absolutely, the, especially the, in the e-commerce side of things. The world is your lobster. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Okay, I'm going to assume that the business is up and running and I would say I would ramp up the traffic to the site through paid mediums. So things like AdWords, I'd run a Facebook campaign. I would really push up being a B2B business, a LinkedIn campaign as well. And I would really pump it out there, get the traffic flowing. And the things that I'd measure are A, revenue, B, leads, uh, C, the traffic, and D, the quality of the lists that we develop from that. Wow. And, sorry, go on, David. Um, no, I was just, just going to say um, um, a very comprehensive um, answer, but um, you just said and, so then I um, thought you were going to say give us even more value there. <laughs> No, sorry, that, my bad. <laughs> but um, so you mentioned LinkedIn, which is quite interesting there. That's not um, necessarily uh, the, the, the network that the majority of people focus on there. Um, but I think you said business to business then as well. Do you think it's only appropriate for business to business? Look, business to business or authority building. If you're, let's say, in digital marketing and you want to be seen as an authority, I think that business to business is a very good uh, market to go with. Because people see you as an authority in the, the marketing marketplace, they'll see you as an authority for business consumer as well. Okay, and you also talk about leads as well. Um, so that's um, not people becoming immediate customers. I think normally the majority of people in terms of e-commerce marketing would think of um, you driving people directly to a website with a view to making that immediate sale if possible. Um, so how would you encourage someone to become a lead prior to making a purchase? Is there some kind of incentive in order for them to, to opt in and give a, a name and an email address before making a purchase? 
Look, before e-commerce, we've found things like, let's say, 10% discount coupons and also free shipping coupons have worked really well to get people to opt in and give the name and email address for e-commerce sites. Ah, uh, right. Okay, so that's um, before they make a purchase, um, they need to opt in to get the coupon and then they can use the coupon at some point in the future. That's exactly right. And quite often they redeem it sooner than later, often within the first 14 days. And that's normally a, a search and a purchase that would have bounced from the site if you hadn't actually captured them. Okay, and within that 14-day period, um, how often do you recommend reaching out um, to that person and keeping in touch with them via email? This is a difficult question, as it honestly depends on each business. Um, but let, what I mean by that is if you're in a very niche business, let's say you're selling golf clubs, you could reach out to them five times in that 14-day period, giving some really good value about golf, golf tips, and also some special offers. Whereas if you're in something a little bit more generic, um, let's say like fitness equipment, it's a little bit harder to give that content. So I'd say maybe only three times during that period with one really good content-based email, one subtle pitch, and then one all-out um, promotion. The important thing with the promotion is you've got to give them a reason to buy now. Why should they click through? What discount are they going to get? What bonuses are they going to get to actually make the purchase? Okay, and um, just one further question in relation to that. I'm, I'm really getting my money's worth here. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you recommend text-based email or HTML email? 100% HTML. Um, in, in the sense that 83% of consumers, according to a recent HubSpot survey, have said they prefer HTML email from companies. Now, if, if you're a digital marketer one-to-one, -one, you can stick with text-based. But if you're a company, an e-commerce company, you need to push up across your professionalism like we are discussing earlier, since consumers want to feel safe when marketing with you, when buying with you, sorry. So HTML 100%. And on that note, make sure it's responsive HTML. Because 66% of emails opened on mobile devices now. And in Europe and America, 62% of people will close and delete an email that's not formatted for mobile. So if you're not hitting the responsive criteria, you could just be literally watching your profits fall down the drain. Well, that's a superb answer. I'm certainly glad I asked that that's that question. <laughs> My number one takeaway. Well, Joe, you've offered a lot of um, great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? The number one takeaway is to, if you're not started, get started, be persistent, and build a plan. Don't expect to make a million dollars in your first year, but the most important thing is to get started and to keep growing. If you're already set up, revise your current SEO setups. Make sure you've got your key elements in there, such as your H1s and your page titles, and just stick at it. Because if you are persistent, you've got a good strategy, a good product, like David mentioned earlier, I guarantee you'll be successful. Great. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time, your focus, and your advice. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? The best way for the audience to find out more about me and what I do is to head over to onlinevisions.com.au and check us out. We'd be more than happy to speak to any of your visit listeners. If you mention you're from Digital Marketing Radio, we'll definitely look after you. <laughs> Lovely. Well, um, hopefully um, you'll get um, a flood of traffic over to you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us, David. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Joel. Great to have you. Digital Marketing Radio. Digital